systems, the biggest sound from archive. Because we are taking the week off as uh, our schedules are just a little bit wonky right now. Um, we're going to be back next week. We're going to be back tomorrow for a very special episode of the show covering the Stanley Cup playoffs quarterfinals. Um, and then we'll be back next week to preview. We'll be back next week for our normal show. Um, today, we have a special episode um, in honor of the Stanley Cup playoffs starting. I went back into our archives and um, found our first interviews with Sherry Ross from May 2nd, 2013, and Deb Placey from May 9th, 2013. So we'll put those back-to-back. And then right after that is a um, guest appearance by Deb Placey with our own Mike Donovan. And this is the infamous time where Deb yelled at Mike. So I want to make sure I included that because we always talk about it, but we never, ever play it. So here is that audio. So sit back and enjoy. We'll be back next week. Enjoy the show. Have a good day, everybody. You believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable! The championship to New Jersey. The Devils win the Stanley Cup. There once was a referee born in Rockford. He refs such a terrible game. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We have the heart of a champion. You cannot measure it. You can only feel it. And when everyone says it can't be done, ducks fly again. I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who don't take no crap of nobody. Cold. Very cold. The only tough part when it's cold is loading up the bus. Pain heels. Chicks dig scars. Glory. Last forever. I think you're going to want to hear this. Today we have. To introduce our guest star, that's what I'm here to do. And it really makes me happy to introduce to you. Um, well, as a Devils fan, I date back to 1994. I didn't get to watch all the games because they were on Sports Channel and Pay Network. So, I listened to the radio with Mike Miller and Randy Valachek. Um,. Then MSG picked up the games, and I went to an actual channel. I stopped regularly listening. When I moved here to Wisconsin back in 05, I got back to getting back on the radio, just not as regularly. But over the last couple of years, I got back into listening to games regularly because I actually really enjoy the commentary team of Matt Lachlan and our very special guest today, Sherry Ross. Sherry, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I am doing fabulous. I'd be better if I was working covering playoff games, but all things considered, I'm okay. Yeah, I, we <laughs> fully understand that, right, Marcel? Yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> 100%. Um, well, before we get into this season, because it has exactly been the best season in the world, let's start talking. We'll start talking about you, Sherry. Um, I was looking up your um, bio. And it said you joined the team back in 92. How did you get to join the Devils back in 1992? Uh, well, this is all, I, I either credit Lou Lamorello or blame Lou Lamorello, depending on how you feel about me having the gig. But he, <laughs> uh, I was I was a, a freelance writer at the time. I had worked for a newspaper that was ahead of the curve. It was called The National, and it was an all-sports newspaper that came out and lasted about two and a half years. <clears throat> Excuse me. So right. uh, I worked there. It folded. I was trying to grab work as a freelancer and, and I remember I was 
at Nassau Coliseum. It was a Devil's Islanders game. And, uh, Lou saw me in the hallway outside the dressing rooms and said, well, call me tomorrow at the office. I have something I want to talk to you about. had no idea wh- what was in store. So I, I called him. I go into the office, and he goes, we need a radio color commentator, and I think you'd be really good at this job. Do you have any interest? I had interest. I had no experience. I had no, I'd taken maybe one radio course in college because a guy I liked was working on the radio station, <laughs> kind of like that. I mean, I was studying journalism, but I was going to be a print journalist, which I was at the time. And uh, Lou said, you know, we'll give you 10 games. We'll have you work with a broadcast coach, and we'll see where it goes. They brought me in for the 10 games. The response was very good, fortunately. I would hate to go back and listen to those games now because I'm sure I was just awful. But it was a great job, and it was a great offer. And when, I always make comparison. If, let's say Steven Spielberg says, I have a part for you in a movie, but you have to ride a horse. you know how to ride a horse? You're going to say, yes, I have to know how to ride a horse. Exactly. And then you're going to go out and learn how to ride a horse. So that's what this was. I'm like, I can talk. I know I can talk. Uh, I don't know if I can do this well enough for broadcast, but it's an unbelievable chance to do something unique. And uh, I grabbed it. And here we are. Yeah, I I really don't blame you whatsoever. I, if I was in your shoes, I would the exact same thing. Trust me. <laughs> um, oh sure, I mean I, who wouldn't? Um, now I I did stay there through the, through the cup year in '95, and then went back to writing, and now I'm back. I just finished my sixth year back on radio. Yeah, I was about to say because it's funny. I was I didn't realize this because um, me and my best friend at the time we actually always picked up the hockey sporting scouting report, and I didn't realize that was your thing. <laughs> yeah, it was. Did not realize that till now. <laughs> uh, another guy started that, and then he moved, uh, to, I think, to Fox Sports or something. But he wanted to keep the franchise going as it was. So he offered it to me and another writer, and we did it for a few years. And then at the time of the last lock, the previous lockout, the it was getting to the end of its run, and we just decided not to renew the contract then. And it, oh. it was a ton of work. It, it, it forced me to, like, find a lot of good contacts that, to this day, I still see around teams. So that was fantastic, but it was a lot of work, and unfortunately, it didn't sell very well. So there was uh, really no point in going on with it. Well, you had us as readers because you, you definitely gave us education, which we needed. I talk to more dire fans now, which is a good thing. There was actually a few teams that bought the book and gave them uh, to their scouts, which oh, was very that's flattering. Cool. That's very very cool. That's yeah. Cool. Yes. Well, um, we came back in '07, obviously. That's actually around the time I jumped back on. Um, how was it to work with Matt Lachlan? I'd have to ask because he's definitely oh, he's some, a personality. I, I knew him a little bit beforehand because he had worked the TV side first with sports uh, uh, MSG. I keep going sports channel because that's way back. That's where he started. But MSG, you know, he was like the sideline guy. But he really wanted to do play-by-play. So when the radio job opened up, he took that. Uh, and he did it the first year with Tom Trorsky, the former yeah. NHL player, former devil. Uh, and then Tom decided to leave, and then that's when they brought me in. So I knew Matt a little bit. I knew his personality. He's great to work with. He's, I mean, he's very professional about his job, but he also doesn't get unhinged about little things. <laughs> you know, like if you're having trouble with uh, the, the playback from the studio or commercials, yeah, if anything goes wrong, he holds it out till later. He doesn't like, he doesn't take it out during the broadcast. The broadcast comes first. And he's been great to work with. He's a funny guy. He he knows that we're, we have to broadcast a game, but he also knows it's entertainment. And so he'll he'll let me, you know, be a little loopy from time to time. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> um, better on the radio than he was on TV, in my personal opinion. So 
Well, I mean, you think if, if he'd done play-by-play on TV, you'd probably like him better. I don't think he was suited as a sideline guy, you know, the kind of the, the in-and-out bits that they have to do. I think he liked doing play-by-play a lot better. You're really kind of like the captain of the team when you do play-by-play. All right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sherry, I have a quick question for you. Uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, thank you for coming on. It's a, truly an honor. I'm a little starstruck right now. Um, <laughs> oh, please don't be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, what is your most memorable moment or game that you've had in your career calling the Devils? Well, it's, well, I, if we allow me to, <laughs> because I'll, I'll do sure. one from each. I'll do one from each era. Sure. So the sure. first, the first one was calling a Devils. Stanley Cup championship game in 1995. Yeah. It was at the Meadowlands. It was the unexpected sweep of the Detroit Red Wings. They led early, so we sort of knew it was kind of like a coronation coming, and the crowd just got crazier and crazier. And my brother and my aunt, both of whom have passed away since, were in the crowd too. And I have one of those panoramic pictures that they take, oh. and you can see me. You can see me in the press box, and you can see my brother and my aunt in the corner of the photo. And I have oh. that in my office. So that's. For a lot of sentimental reasons, that's very important to me. Right. And the second, the second thing would be when I uh, unexpectedly got to do play-by-play for a game, uh, which happened two years ago. Um, there was a series of events with, unfortunately, Matt's father-in-law passed away, and uh, it, was, it was just a situation where they knew it was coming, and they sort of said, okay, you're going to do this. And so I did it, and it was I did it with... Uh, no, I'm Rob Skurlock, former. He played one NHL game, but he's been in the devil system for a long time. So they called him up quickly to do color. Uh, I did the game, and it was, I think, like five minutes. It was a two and a half, two, I mean, thought it was five minutes. It was so fast, and I was so keyed up. I was like a racehorse. And just to, to be able to do that and to break down another barrier in sports, um, that, that, was, that was crazy. It was, it was really crazy, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it had to be a. Uh... It had to be surreal to do that for um, that night. Yeah, and it's just like uh, when they asked me ahead of time if I would be able to do it, I said, well, okay, I think I could do that. And then I watched Matt very closely the next few games because the play-by-play guy does a lot of stuff, especially if you're on radio, you're, you don't have visuals. So uh-huh. you, you, you can't talk over anything because the audience will have no idea what's going on. On TV, you can talk over it because you've got video. Uh, if you're if you're just on radio, you really have to toe the line. And uh, I, the only critique I got from WFAN was like during the broadcast, they called in and go, "Please have her give the score more often." So I'm <laughs> neglecting that. I'm like, all well, the things I'm doing here, and that's the one thing I'm screwed up on. Hey, that's so that not was, bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, I'm like, could you give me a little like pat on the back here as I'm trying to get through this? So other than that, it worked okay, and it it was uh, like I said, it was one of those things that I did it, and I never thought I could. And pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, we'll jump to the present because last week we actually were talking about the um, top five Devils playoff moments, and both of us definitely agreed that last year, Game Six, Devils Rangers was one of the best moments we've ever watched. How was it to be in that building for that one? Oh, that was incredible. You know, it probably fits right if you go cup, 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 Henrik double overtime goal. I mean, you know, I mean, that's, you know, beating Henrik overtime goal, beating the Rangers. That's kind of the way it goes. Because to, number one, to beat the Rangers in any capacity is huge for this franchise. And to be there and to see it happen before your eyes in the Prudential 
Center, where there was always a significant number of Ranger fans, but it was very predominantly Devils that night. And uh, I can just I can just see him going, scoring, and then crashing into that corner. It's just like one of those things you just replayed <laughs> over and over and over again. And it was really like, okay, 1994 is now at rest, and it's almost exactly. 20 years. So let's let's it's good to finally get that out of the way since the Devils have won three cups since then. But to do it against the Rangers was really spectacular. Yeah, so we were, me and Sal were going back and forth last year about that. That's exactly what we said. 1994 is now finally over, which is awesome to say. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's impossible because you guys are out there. So if you were here... It's impossible to forget about it because Madison Square Garden treats it like a legend. I they've won one it. Stanley Cup since 1940, <laughs> and they will not let anybody forget it. That was so actually it, um, that was my first season as a fan. Was 93-94. so yeah, I, it's been embedded in my brain ever since. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Uh, you know, <laughs> it just does drive you crazy because. <laughs> Yeah, we should have beat them that year in 94 to begin with. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, it was funny because everybody considered 95 a fluke for the Devils, and they won two Stanley Cups since then. So exactly. So what's, what's 1994 then? Well, I, I look at it this way. With 95, <laughs> the funny part about 95, the Cup, because it was a lockout season, whoever wins the Cup this year is going to be the same thing. It's going to be a fluke because of the lockout year. Probably. If, if, it's a, if, if somebody other than one of the, like a Pittsburgh or Chicago wins, like if Toronto wins, well, it's definitely a fluke. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know if, it's a, if it's an Ottawa or, you know, uh, you know, I pick anybody out of the West, somebody that's not expected to win, if, if that happens, then, yeah, it's definitely going to be labeled a fluke for a while. Yeah, I just thought about that as you said that. Um, well, this season, it was a rough one. Um we had that 10-game losing streak. What do you think was the downfall for this season? Was it Kovalchuk's injury, or do you think it was something else? I think the the major thing was losing Zach Parise last summer. I, you know, they cleared out a lot of cap space in order to be able to afford him. They, they, their offer was, I would say, comparable to Minnesota's. Minnesota gave him a big bonus up front, which the Devils did not do that 12 million bucks or whatever it was and then to not be able to compensate for his loss you know those those things factored in and while they were waiting for Parisi to make a decision which he didn't sign on July 1st I think it was July 5th yeah, it was like a few that. days so in that interim all the all the other free agents are going elsewhere so if the Devils had known on July 1st that Zach was definitely not coming back then they possibly could have gone after one of the higher end free agents by the time Parisi made his decision that was all, all those options were off the table. So, again, I don't even know if they were looking at any of those guys, but say they were looking at a Yager, I don't know. Um, they couldn't get into the mix right away because they were, they were holding out for Parisi. If they'd signed anybody else, they wouldn't have been able to afford them. So they kind of got stuck in that vacuum there. So that's really nobody's fault to me. Uh, and then there were, you know, I, I put that as the number one issue. Because if you look at the two teams that were hurt most by losses to a, by a free agent last year, it's Nashville and the Devils, and neither of those teams made the playoffs this year. Oh, yeah, it's true. Ironically, those are the two teams we mainly follow on this show because Nashville is associated with my Milwaukee Admirals. So, oh, oh, that's right. So there you go. So, so you know, those are two big. That's a, those are two pretty big hits for those two teams to take. Um, once the season started, it started late, of course. Um, then. 
then there were like no, there was a limited number of moves they could make after that. So, yeah, uh, and then and then the injuries popped up, and they were a very thin team to begin with. And then a lot of guys all went cold at once, very unexpectedly. Long, long goal scoring droughts for Zajac and Clarkson, who got off to such a good start, and Eliash and uh, Henrik. None of them really came close to last year's form, and it was just one thing after another. And in addition to the ten game losing streak, part of that there was a six. Six game losing streak. So oh, yeah, all of a sudden you've lost that. 16 out of 48 games. You're not going to make the playoffs that way. No way. Well, it's funny. Um, I was just thinking you were talking about the scoring drought we had. What, going into the draft, because we have the number nine pick, we're going to talk about that more later in the show. What do you think the Devils' biggest need is going into this draft since we are in the top 10? Not a defenseman. <laughs> 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 they, are so, they are so well stocked on D right now that that, which, and it was kind of like the cupboard is bare as far as their defensive prospects were concerned, that's now their powerhouse. Now, it's, I'm not going to say all those kids are going to be NHL players, but you've got Eric Jelena, who looked pretty good in his only NHL game of the season, his debut. Uh, Adam Larson, who's only getting better and better. Uh, Alex Erbaum, who's got a lot of promise. And you got John Merrill, who's an offensive defenseman who may be able to make the team. I think he'll be able to crack the team this year, depending on what they do with their other old veteran defensemen now. And then you've got Reese Scarlett coming out of the OHL, so they're really well stocked. South Seth Helgeson that they signed from Minnesota, so they've got pretty good young defense core. Their their top priority to me is a number one center. I don't think at number nine they're going to get that, especially not for next year. Um, so then the second, the next level, and where, where I think Foucault is probably a winger. Um, it could be left or right. I think they've got needs on both sides, but um, predominantly left wing, and I. There, you know, I don't know. This seems to be a pretty defense-heavy draft after the top two or three, so we'll see who's available. But I think they will go for a, a nice-sized winger. Okay. Well, next season I was looking at Cap Geek, and I didn't realize that Eliash and Zubris were both going to be all, both contract expired this season. Do you think we're going to be able to keep both guys? If not, can we actually live next season without one or both of those guys? Um. Well. They've got, they put it this way, they've got the cap space to do it if they want. They have 15 players under contract for next year for a cap hit of $38.9 million. So that gives you about $25 million in cap space. But keep in mind, they also have restricted free agents they have to sign. That's notably Adam Henrique. He's going to be the most, uh, most important one out of that group. Uh, Jacob Josephson, Matthias Tedenby also there. Uh, it depends on what they decide to do. Um, you also you mentioned David Clarkson, so you've got you got basically half of your top six going unrestricted this season. Oh, they have to make some decisions. I, I think Clarkson. in order, in order of likelihood of retaining these players, it's probably Eliash one, Zubris two, Clarkson three. Only because I think Clarkson's going to get a big offer somewhere else. And I don't think the Devils want to go above $5 million for him. And frankly, I don't think they should. Um, Eliash, I think they can get to a shorter they – don't, they don't have to give him an eight-year deal. They can give him a two-year no-movement clause. And he's indicated he wants to stay here. I think he'd be a valuable player to keep. He can play center or wing. He's a, he's a veteran guy that will help the kids come along. He's a very calm presence. He's led this team – it's hard to believe. This is the eighth time he's led the team in scoring. Uh, it doesn't really surprise me. <laughs> Eight times. I, I, you just can't let somebody like that walk to me. So I think they'll make every effort to sign him, and I think he's the most likely of those three to return. I think Zubris is probably somebody they can get for a reasonable amount, and if they decide they, they need to maintain that depth up front, they would probably get him, and then Clarkson would be number three, and he's probably 
as I said, probably going to be out of price out of their range. So we'll see what happens. Ponikarovsky, Sullivan, Kostopoulos, they're all free agents and not likely to come back. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of contracts, uh, now the, the, this subject has to be addressed eventually. Um, Marty, he has one year left. Um, Two-part question. Do you think, A, he won't retire, and B, if he does, what do you think the um, the post-Marty era is going to bring for the Devils? Well, not only do I not think he's going to retire, but he's talked about coming back after next year's contract. So, <laughs> yes. so uh, yeah, he's going to be the Gordie Howe of goaltending, I think. He really is. Um, you know, but at some point, they've got to bring up one of the kids. Hedberg, Johan Hedberg also signed for next year. Uh, so unless they buy him out, they're they're going to go the two veteran goalies next year. Now, is it possible they take a goalie in this year's draft? Again, that is poss- that's possible. They've drafted, actually, go back through the draft history. They've drafted a lot of goalies. None of them really evolved into NHL players. I don't think it was just because they sat behind Marty. I mean, they never even, you know, even when they left the Devils organization, they never developed. So they have some kids in their system right now. Keith Kincaid, who played last year at Albany, has some potential big goalie played one game in release this year uh, so that was hard to judge i didn't see him down in albany but you know he's got potential also they have scott wedgwood who played in the east coast hockey league this year and i think he's actually kind of the guy they have ahead of those other players in terms of where they stand on their goalie list and and uh maxine claremont's another young goalie in their system i don't know if those guys can be nhl players and it might be uh, a year or two before we find out. Now, what about um, Marty's son, Jeremy? Do you think he's going to be entering the draft anytime soon? Uh, well, I know Marty's coming to the draft with him. So <laughs> <laughs> he's already said he's going to come to the draft and sit in the stands and see what happens. He, Marty does not think he'll get drafted. The Devils may do it in the last round. I mean, why not? They drafted a Matteau. You may as well take a bit. You know, if you draft a Matteau, you've got to draft a Brodeur. It's only fair. That's true. <laughs> that is very, very true. So, um, yeah, that draft is um, actually going to be at home. But I'm happy we didn't. We actually get to keep our pick. So that's always good. Yeah, well, I mean, it's number nine overall. So. True. <laughs> I was actually surprised they did not give up last year's pick. Yeah, I was thinking that, especially after the run to the finals. I thought maybe last year would have been the year. Now, you know, it's it's speculation, but it's possible they did not realize when the deadline was. You have to notify the NHL after the uh, Stanley Cup Finals ends, and I don't know what kind of window there was. But yeah. with the Devils going to the finals, it's possible that just kind of got lost. Probably. I wouldn't surprise <laughs> you know? me. And, and I'm, I'm just speculating because I don't know why you wouldn't give up the number 29 seed when you don't know if you'll, if you'll draft that high, you know, next year or ever, you know, in the, in the near future. So exactly. I was kind of surprised they didn't give that up, but they do have this year's number nine, which Lamarello has already said they're going to keep, which means they have to give up next year's no as part what. of the uh, punishment for Kovalchuk. I still think it's bullshit, but that's a different story. <laughs> I do too. I won't use that word, but when it happened, and, I, you know, obviously I'm a devil's employee, so I'm feeling a little different about it, but I think that's even fine. if I'd been uh, just an observer from the outside, I'd go, where's the fairness in this? And all the other clubs went ahead and did the pronger deal and, uh, you know, all these other crazy deals. And all of a sudden, they don't get punished or, you know, they don't have to rework the contracts. And the Devils come along, do pretty much what everybody else is doing. We're like, you know, your guys get paid a dollar a year when they're 50, you know, those deals. And then, and then they get a huge fine, and then you lose a draft pick. So, uh, you know, I just, um, what can I say? Uh, the it, NHL. At the end of the same thing time, though, our, the Kobolchuk contract is now the reason why we have all the new deals in, after the lockout. 
So. But, okay, but here's the thing to me, and it's not just the Devils. It's yeah, also any of these teams that gave these guys these contracts. You did it to yourself. So why did you then punch the rest of us with a lockout? That's true. It's you know what I mean? They true. found ways to subvert the rules. The owners did. The owners said they needed a salary cap because you have to, like, protect them from themselves. <laughs> they just can't stop spending money. So force them not to spend money. And then they find ways to spend it anyway, and then there's another lockout. So it was it was just kind of crazy to me. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. Um, well, I, I know it's hard to say this question because we're not in the playoffs. Who do you think has the best chance of winning the Cup this year? If Pittsburgh can be healthy, if Pittsburgh gets Crosby back, to me, I don't know how you beat them. I, I just think they're really, really good. Mark Andre, Mark Andre Fleury's a little bit of a question mark, but the guys already won a cup. Their defense is not particularly physical, but you look at all the moves that Ray Shiro made at the deadline. It's obvious it's a now move. Those were now moves to get again in as, as a rental, to get Douglas Murray in, to get Brendan Morrow in as rentals. So, so you've got guys that you've got just for this run, essentially. They won't be able to afford them next year. So it really is for now. And out of the West, uh, I thought Chicago looked shaky in the first game. But, uh, to me, the, I, you know, I, I hate to go with the top seed, just like I hate to bet favorites in any horse race. But, you know, those really look like the two class teams of the, of the NHL. But upsets can happen, especially in the first round. Okay. Well, yeah, Minnesota did look, actually, they're a facing team. So I'm not really surprised that they gave Chicago kind of a hard time. But, um, um, all right. Yeah, I guess, you know, I, I just uh, – I think Chicago's goaltending is a little iffy, but um, they're, they're otherwise they're, they're a very solid team, and they're just a few years removed from their cup, so they they've got guys that know how to win. Yeah, I'm kind of I just, I'm rooting for the Blackhawks in this first round. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago has no idea how many people in New Jersey and Nashville are rooting for them. Oh, totally. I, as a matter of fact, <laughs> after we hang up with you, this will be the last time you mention Minnesota on this show because it's kind of banned from this show. We just cleared that for this interview <laughs> so well on that note um for sherry well besides being with the devils anything else in your future hold right now besides hopefully um, staying with this team no i mean we have the draft coming up so that'll be fun i think we're gonna we're trying to see if we can do some kind of broadcast with that i don't know if the wfan is interested if not maybe we can do something that will you know, be on the internet, which is how we do preseason games normally. So we'll see if we can do that. That'll be fun. That'll Other be than fun. that, it's just I'm watching hockey. I'm waiting for the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. I've got, you know, stuff to do. I'll be fine. All the stuff you don't get to do around the house when you're away all the time. Now I can do those things. That's true. That's <laughs> very, very true. Well, on that note, Sherry, I'd like to thank you for joining us on this show. We we greatly appreciate everything and um, taking your totally time out. Honored. Yes, totally honored. Exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll Thank you. It's it. always it's always fun to talk hockey, and uh, you know that was definitely the strangest interview uh, intro I've ever had for an interview. I will say that. Oh, the um, the Kermit intro. The the, uh, the whole WWE intro. Oh, we're, we, oh, we're Which, very... by the way, just 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 as a side note here, I interviewed Chris Jericho. Oh, awesome! Because he's Ted Irvin's son. Oh yeah, of course and he's he is. A, he's a huge hockey fan, so he was playing at a charity hockey game at Madison Square Garden, and I was able to get an interview with him. And I was so fascinated because I sort of I went through a phase where I sort of watched the World Wrestling for a while. A friend of mine was working for them, and I find it fascinating how they he referred to his character as Jericho, like, like it, was, it was not him. You know, what I mean, it was it's, like 
Jericho yeah, Chris Irvine and Chris Jericho are different people. <laughs> exactly. And you, you, so to see that's kind of behind the scenes thing. And I also interviewed um, uh, the Edge. Oh, Edge. On, Edge, yes. One of my favorite wrestlers of all like, time. Oh, can I call you? Can I call you Edge? And you're like, what do people? What do your friends call you? Yeah, Adam like, oh, call me Edge. You know, it was funny. Yeah, so, Adam And Copeland. he's also a hockey fan. He's a Devils so, fan. Like, there's, there's a lot of hockey and uh, wrestling. Yeah, he's a Devils fan. Uh, Adam Copeland. Yes. yes. Definitely. Yeah. So. Yes. Uh, so it's pretty cool, and uh, so I've met some of those guys, and they're pretty neat, and yeah. it is funny to see how they see themselves as, you know, like they're not a character, necessarily. Yeah, yeah we discuss a lot of wrestling on this show. That's why we do the wrestling intro most times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay, on that note, thank you, Sherry, for joining us, and um, hopefully we can have, talk to you another time. Yes, well, well, thank you very much. I enjoyed it, and... Uh, you know, call me up some other time. I'd be happy to talk hockey in the fall or something. Sounds good to me. Okay, guys. All right, thank you very much. Thank okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. We have a special guest today, so let's get right to it. To introduce our guest star, that's what I'm here to do, and it really makes me happy to introduce to you. From the NHL Network and MSG, I am proud to welcome the great Deb Placey onto the show today. Good morning, Deb. Good morning. Was that just Kermit the Frog? Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, that was. That's a first. <laughs> but I like it. Yes, we have fun around here. <laughs> so, um, thank you, first of all, for taking time out of your busy schedule this week. I know the playoffs are busy, so... Well, the playoffs are busy, but the Devils are not. So I had a little bit of time today. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, what, the NHL Network, you're not busy with them this week? Yeah. Um, we get busier, um, interestingly enough, on the NHL Network when there are, uh, we get down to the conference finals and the finals. Right now there's so many games going on that we're just really doing games. But we'll, we'll get into, you know, more work, really, when we whittle down the teams. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, well, before we get going on this season, I do have a couple of questions for uh, about you here. Um, how did you get your gig with the Islanders and MSG back in the day that most of us actually would know you from first? Back in the day. Well, I actually got my first job at ESPN right out of college, and I was a PA for Sports Center. Uh-huh. And I worked in, uh, and I worked for ESPN for almost two years, and then I got the chance back in the day. Um, I wanted to be a reporter in, uh, in order to be on the air. Uh, you really, I had to leave um, and then come back. So I left, and I did the very stereotypical small market, like you know they say you might have to go to Iowa, go to you know middle of nowhere and, and, and be on the air, and that's what I did. I went to, first I went to Southern Illinois, in Marion, Illinois, where Pete Rose went to prison, and then um, I went to, Iowa, to Waterloo, Iowa, and then I got to Providence, and then I got to Miami, and once I got to Miami, uh, I was there for, I guess, a year and a half, and ESPN hired me back. So I was at ESPN2 for the launch, and I was only there for about a year and a half, and um, they were really doing like X Games and Extreme Sports, and it really kind of wasn't my thing. Um, so MSG offered me a chance to go to the city and do the garden teams, and we still had the Yankees and the Mets, and I did a lot of baseball. I did the Rangers. I did the Yankees, the first World Series, and then uh, oh, wow. I've been at MSG ever since. Wow. That's all. That's I actually remember when ESPN2 started, too. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> that was a big deal then. Um, well, I, I actually um, was a fan of NHL Live, actually, before you joined the show with um, EJ and Don. And, right. Uh, 
I, I have to admit, I actually really enjoyed when you joined the show because I do like hearing a female's perspective on hockey. It's not something we hear very often. And um, your chemistry with EJ is pretty amazing. What's it like to work with Oh, EJ? thank you so much. It's actually probably my favorite thing that I do. I absolutely love doing it. Um, I hope you can tell. It is yeah, just like a, a gift to, to have two hours where you can really just have fun and talk hockey. And for people in the States, there's really no other outlet during the day to, to watch and listen and, and, and be able to, you know, it's sort of a community, you know, people that want to just get a little bit of a hockey fix for a couple hours during the day. And, and there's no other place besides the NHL Network to get that if you're in the States. It's true. Very, very true. We're not in Canada. We're, those lucky right, we're not in Canada anymore. <laughs> yeah. Shame. Um, well, the one question I have for you, what is the one big difference between working with, like, the Islanders and the Rangers and then the Devils? You only have one question, that's it? No, just I have a bunch of questions here. This is the first question I have. Just the first one. <laughs> well, there are, you know, that's a good, it's a good question. Um, you know, every team is a little different. I think every team has a little bit of a different personality, but even year to year. I mean, when I first started doing the Islanders, it was Michael Pekka, Peter Laviolette, Alexi Yashin. It was a whole different time. And they were making the playoffs every year. They were, you know, they were in the playoffs three years in a row. Even when they made the coaching change to Steve Sterling, people forget they even made the playoffs. Ted Nolan made the playoffs his year. They played Buffalo, I think, in the first round those couple of years. They played Ottawa one year in the first round. The Toronto, uh, the Islanders were, you know, uh, getting in. They just just couldn't get past the first round. Those are the last four times I think they've been in. But then this new group, which I did before I switched to the Devils last year with John Tavares' first couple of years, um, you know, they really struggled in the in-between years until John got there and even, you know, his first couple of years. It was a much younger group, a much different group. There was new players a lot. They were calling kids up at the end of the year. A lot of them were making their NAH debuts. Um, it was the beginning of this team that's so exciting that you're seeing now. So it's been, you know, even team to team and year to year, they're different. The Devils are, you know, even from the first day of my first year last year, they are awesome, but they're very professional, but they're very approachable, very easygoing, um, a really good group, but most of them have been there a long time. They know the drill. They're sort of comfortable in their own skin. They're comfortable with their surroundings. They're, you know, um, and then they had this surprise run to the Stanley Cup final, so it was, you know, an awesome time to, to be there. And then this year's been even a little bit different. I, I honestly think the dressing room was more relaxed this year without Zach. He, um, even though they missed him, and I think he's a terrific kid, it was a different vibe. Um, and so, you know, even year-to-year teams are different. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Now, Deb, what would be, um, if you can name maybe one or two, like your favorite moments, either – with the Islanders or with the Devils or with both? Uh, you know, my favorite time with the Islanders, besides the very end when Tavares came, was that Toronto Maple Leaf series, which was really my first big series covering a team, you know, in the playoffs, which I think people still consider one of the best first-round series ever, um, which was the, you know, you know, uh, you know, wild Sean Bates penalty shot in Game Four. Gary Roberts was more near, you know, at the end of his career. Chris Osgood and Garth Snow were in goal. Um, right, Michael right. Pekka got his knee hurt. Uh, Eric Cairns, you got somebody got suspended. I'm Sean Cor- Shane Corson. Really, some old names of guys I only saw like at the, you know, the, those last couple of years. But that was an amazing time. 
uh, in an amazing first round uh, series, and that was probably my favorite, um, my favorite early time with the Islanders. Um, and obviously with the Devils, my favorite time was you know the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, we. We've been, oh, although I was going to say the two overtime goals, the two overtime games of Adam Henrique, and then uh, you forget Travis Zajac had the overtime game winner in Game Six, or the Devils don't even get to a Game Seven against the Panthers. They would have been out if they hadn't won Game Six. They would have never had the run. So oh, Travis saved them. They were on the brink. You know, they were facing elimination in that Game Six. They weren't ahead. They were down three games to two. So Travis won the game in overtime, and they got back to Florida, and then a double overtime uh, winner from from Adam, and then he obviously won the game against the Rangers in Game Six. They weren't facing elimination. Obviously, they they had the uh, the three uh, two lead, but then uh, to beat Lundqvist in overtime in the, in the Eastern Conference Final, or more memorable really than the, than the, the Stanley Cup Final, which it seemed like the Devils, even though they got it to a Game Six, you know, you never felt like you know after losing the first couple that it was you know anywhere near the drama that the earlier series were. Yeah, that's very true. The Kings were kind of the team of destiny last year, which was almost a shame with our Devils having to face them like that. But uh, Yeah, by the time the Devils got there, they had used up their magic, I think. <laughs> very, very true. They, that was one of the most miraculous runs I've seen in a very long time by any team. So... Well, it is when you consider that they won those, you know, the three biggest games in overtime, and you just, as you see, like last night, we got some more overtime games. You know, it's so riveting because it's just like a rubber puck that bounces crazy ways and in crazy, you know, places, and you just, in overtime, it is such a, you know, a toss-up that, you know, the puck goes either way, and the Devils are out in the first round, or they get to a game seven against the Rangers, they don't beat the Panthers, you know, those three big games. Uh, you know, when they get to these games get to overtime, it's just, you know, the pressure cooker. Right. Yeah, that's true. We were actually discussing that last couple of, uh, couple of weeks ago because we were talking about the best and worst Devils playoff moments. And you're absolutely right. One bounce of the puck can really change just about everything. So. It changed the, you know, it changed the course of players' careers, whether they win a cup or they don't. You know, coaches get fired. You know, teams, you know, players move on. Things change. The way that the bounce of a puck, just, you know, changes the course of history is kind of amazing. I mean, you know, even in New York, you go back to Stefan Mateau's uh, goal, and you know, just to change the course of a franchise, it's just incredible. You know, you know the way things go. I mean, you know, it's just incredible. Yes, that's very true. Um, we're actually going to be. I actually was going through all the overtime games because we do a um, overtime montage before our hockey talk later on in the show. So you're right. I didn't realize there were so many games last night that went to OT. It's all booked up this morning. Yeah. It was actually pretty cool to watch. I'll admit. I stayed up late last night because I knew I was going to be on with you guys this morning, and it was not easy to stay up for that Ducks Red Wings game. But I did stay up. Um, <laughs> And I'm originally from St. Louis, born and raised. So I, you know, I definitely have a, uh, you know, a soft spot for the Blues. And I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how they went from, you know, in control up two games to love to down, you know, three games to two. But John Quick does his um, census summers here in Connecticut. Um, I actually work out at the same gym that he does. Um, I, I do more of the workout that his wife does than he does. Um, but, um, you know, he's a Connecticut kid, you know, born and raised here, so he comes back over the summer. And now there's this whole, we call him the Connecticut Mafia. There's a whole group of players that that has uh, found a couple of trainers in the area, and they do all their off-season workouts here. You'd be amazed at the, at the, the uh, 
variety of players, um, from James Van Riemsdyk and Marty St. Louis to um, Matt Molson um, and Max Pacioretty. There's just a huge, uh, there's a slew of them that work out here now in the summer, and they have their, you know, it's a different world now, the way these players train and work out in the summer. Um, but So I've known John Quick since he was first drafted and going to UMass, and so I'm a huge John Quick girl. But he's been amazing. It's amazing that he gave up that goal by going out to play the puck in that uh early games yeah. or they'd be up they they may have won the series already it's right true. that's very true um see, we're, later on i know we're going to be discussing the um the islanders and the penguins because um I, we have actually someone on the show later who's a flyers fan who's rooting against the penguins obviously okay so we're have some fun with that's that later. <laughs> yeah we're, we're gonna have some fun with that later but I, I have to admit i'm very surprised at how good the islanders are playing against the penguins I didn't expect it. We actually were predicting a four or five game series, and now I actually think the Islanders can pull the upset. Well, the the biggest reason though is Mark Andre Fleury. Like if Mark Andre Fleury wasn't playing like he's played, you know, it might be a different series. What is this? But, Fourteen goals allowed since game one, correct? But he 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 has been so disappointing, but great for the Islanders, and that's their game, right? They're going to score if they can score a lot of goals. They can, you know, they can play with anybody. But I guess you could probably say that about almost any team. If you're going to give up four or five goals, you know, they can play with anybody. But that's, that's their game. They can score. That's also the so only way to really. It's like the perfect storm of a bad, you know, a bad goaltending performance in the Islanders. Uh, offense, that's a you know recipe for disaster for the other team. I mean, this is the way that, that Mark Andre Fleury has struggled has played right into the Islanders' hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's the only way to beat Pittsburgh though is to really outscore them at the end of the day, though. So, well, because they have so much talent, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's played right into the Islanders' hands. I mean, if Pittsburgh doesn't win tonight, I think the Islanders win the series. Pittsburgh has to win tonight. Yeah, I believe that. The, um, the big surprise for me was actually the San Jose sweep. This might be in the West, San Jose's year. All these last three or four years that they've come in heavy favorites and and then have been disappointments. Everyone has kind of left them alone this spring, uh, and it, it was a short season, obviously. So there weren't too many you know chances for people to talk about how great the Sharks are. Is this their year, or what are they going to do at the trading deadline because they've been a disappointment in the playoffs past? Is Doug Wilson going to change the team? Everybody's kind of left them alone, and they. Um, obviously, uh, are the first team to get into the next round. They might have the right mix of players. They finally got the goalie. Um, so, you know, although I was a bit surprised that he was nominated for the Vezina, I'm glad he was. You know, yeah. sometimes, you know, um, those late night um, goaltending performances get overlooked, but the Vezina is the one award that's voted on by the GMs, and they all are paying attention and they know what they're voting for. So, not that writers or, or broadcasters were not paying attention, but. The GMs don't usually miss, <laughs> and yeah. they really know uh, what they're looking at. So I was, you know, I think this could be the Sharks' year. They, 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 you know, they're not fighting huge expectations. They're just doing their thing, and maybe they'll get to the the uh, Stanley Cup final finally this year. That would be a nice surprise. Yeah, he's nominated against um, Lundqvist and Bobrowski. That's the Vezina Trophy nominees. We have that on our our run sheet to talk about the. Um, other, the other Western Conference series that we'll be paying attention to, obviously, is the Chicago Blackhawks and Minnesota Wild rooting for Chicago, obviously. <laughs> Am I right, Sal? Yes. Yes. The, um, earlier in the earlier in the last week, I believe, he was saying how he was watching the Minnesota game and kind of throwing stuff at the um, TV every time he saw Peruse. Yeah, so... 
is so are you rooting for Chicago because you're rooting against Minnesota or are you rooting yeah. against Zach? <laughs> um can I say combination of both? <laughs> yeah. we're, we're kind of we're a little bit pissed still about the um, Minnesota situation. So I believe we had Sherry Ross on last week, and um, she was called on the Minnesota Heat, which I think is pretty funny. So, the Minnesota what? Minnesota Heat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. The um, others. Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to move on to another series, but you're going to say something. Yeah, go right ahead. We'll pa- we'll go right past Zach. You go ahead. I think the Blackhawks are going to win and uh, finish them off. Yeah, thank God for that. We were going to go over to um, Boston and Toronto with their um, overtime spectacular last night. The um, I got to say the Bruins are just looking red hot right now. I think, unfortunately for Toronto, who finally makes the playoffs, they're going to get handed to Toronto tomorrow night. I mean, yeah, the best part the best part of that overtime game last night was was James Reimer's mom and wife in the stands. I mean, you cannot imagine like what it would be like to have to watch that. It just must be torture to be a goalie uh, to be a goalie mom. I mean, to be a hockey mom is torture, but to be a goalie mom or 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 I mean, I, I could not deal with it. I mean, to see her like that, covering her eyes. I mean. That's got to be the most difficult thing in the world. I, that's just that's what makes it such great theater. I mean, the amount of pressure and the agita, the angst is just insane. Yes, yes that's very true. I did see that actually in the highlights this morning. Oh my gosh, it was just torture to watch her and torture for her to watch and watch her watching her son. I mean, because you just want you know them to do well and you just want them to you know. It's just, you know, the ultimate torture for hockey parents. You never want your kid to be a goalie just for that. <laughs> um, the other series in the East that we were talking about, obviously, is the Capitals and the Rangers. And we, I kind of want Washington to win this series for obvious circumstances, being a Devils fan. But this is turning out to be a great series. <laughs> yeah, a great series. It looked like, you know, maybe the Rangers just didn't have it when they were in Washington, and now the series has just turned into one of those home ice momentum series. So if they go back to Washington and the Capitals win, it looks like a seven-game series. If the Rangers break through tonight, I think similar um, to the Islanders, if they were to break through Pittsburgh, I think if the Rangers break through tonight, they're going to win the series. Or They're not tonight, but, I mean, tomorrow if night. the Rangers break through against Washington, I think they're going to win the series. Yeah, it's tomorrow night. Tonight, though, is the um, Ottawa and Montreal that we have actually audio of the uh, big brawl that broke out the other night that we're going to play later on. And, um, Sal, you were watching that live. So, um, yes. what were going to say about We were talking about that, so go ahead. It was, um, you know, high tension. That's all I can really say is just, it, you know, just watching this game, it was you know, just high tension. I mean, you could definitely feel it and just watching all the fights that were breaking out. And, you know, um, I, I'm going to have to say that the tooth fairy must be very happy because there's been a lot of missing teeth this season. Did you see the stat that the number one star of the last three straight games in that series has all lost is that each of them lost a tooth, I guess, including the goalies. <laughs> I do not realize that. So it's like a, you know, it's like a streak that has to be in the game. No, it's now three straight games. The number one star has lost a tooth. <laughs> but uh, but we saw Ottawa. I, I saw Ottawa live and, and Montreal live. Um, it's funny, like each of them three times. Um, and so that's like a fourth of the season. Like there were so few games. I feel like I just saw so many uh, of those, you know, so many of the, those guys in those teams ice level. 
Ottawa was so impressive. I mean, and that they the, uh, the times obviously you didn't see him with Eric Carlson because he didn't come back until now. Uh, and I think he got hurt the game before. I know he did. He got hurt the game before the Devils played them in New Jersey because Paul McLean, what the, the coach, was uh, such a jerk about it. He didn't want to answer any questions about it. Um, and he was condescending uh, about it, which is why he said he was a jerk about it. Um, but you know what? That was his way that, of dealing with it, and it worked for his team. Uh, he was ornery about anyone even asking how they're going to play or how they're going to manage without him. He, and it certainly worked for his team um, that, that they got ornery about it because that's how they handled it. But even without him, and they were without Jason Spezza, and they might have even had another injury by then. Oh, my gosh, they were unbelievably impressive. And I could not figure out how Montreal won all the games they did. They were – I just I, – they didn't blow me away when I saw them play ice level. I just couldn't figure out how they kept winning games. I would see out-of-town scores, and I was like, God, they won again, or they scored four goals again. And Carey Price wasn't great when I saw him. I don't know. And then he'd be – you know, I saw he went three games without giving up a goal. I was like, how did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> and so it seems to be in the playoffs now they're reverting back to the form of, of the live games that I saw. Carey Price hasn't been great. Montreal's gotten, you know, a couple of injuries, and that seems like it's all it's taken for them to not be able to play with Ottawa. I don't know. But that's the way I saw it during the regular season. I was just surprised that Ottawa slipped late and they almost didn't make the playoffs and that Montreal, you know – almost won the division or whatever. Um, yeah, they, they were not as impressive to me. All right. Um, the last series here, I almost forgot about this one, is the Anaheim-Detroit series that um, Anaheim just took the lead last night. And um, Detroit actually surprisingly looking a lot better than I expected against the Ducks. Me too. I totally agree. Like I Again, they almost didn't make the playoffs. I think we even said a couple of times, I was hearing people say, yeah, the Detroit's t- streak of 21 straight seasons making the playoffs is going to end. They had the longest streak, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they were in again. Uh, you know, I think Mike, Bab- Mike Babcock is uh, an amazing coach. I think he is, I hate to say he's underrated. I don't know if people take him for granted because he's been there a long time and his team always wins. He's got some high-end players, obviously. I just think he's an amazing coach. I think he's an amazing game day coach. Um, you know, in-game coach, adjustment coach. I, I love his style. I love his attitude. So that comes into preparation, too, not just, you know, once they, they drop the puck, but on practice days and in between days and everything else. I love him as a coach. He could coach my team anytime. Um, and they've hung in there with the Ducks. So um, I don't think they'll win the series. I think Anaheim wins the series. Anaheim has so much talent. Uh, and I think Bruce Boudreaux is an excellent coach, too. I like Anaheim in the series, but definitely Detroit has shown up and, and definitely made it a series. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, now since we've covered everyone, who do you think will make it to the end and win it all? Um, who do I think is going to uh, – okay, let's see. I'm going to say – I'm gonna say, um, geez, I I like uh, the Sharks to get to the Stanley Cup final. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like in the East. Who do I like in the East? Um, I like in the East. Uh, wow. Um, I'm gonna say Rangers. Ooh, wow! Nice. I want to say wow. Rangers Sharks. What do you think of that? That's an intriguing matchup, actually. <laughs> yes, that it would be. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, here's a question that got brought up last week that I didn't even think about until um, Sherry said it. Do you act? Do you think 
with the Cup this year because of the shortened season. It will be considered a fluke, just like the 95 Devils at the time were considered. Not at all. Okay. I've already forgotten that it was, you know, like once now that we're in the playoffs, I've already forgotten that it wasn't that long of a season. Okay. Yeah, it's just, that's something that came up last week. I, I really don't. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, covering hockey in 95. Um, and so I don't remember, you know, but certainly now, especially being in the Devil's culture the last couple of years, I, I, you know, I don't think anybody thinks about the 95, you know, that cup as being, oh, yeah. you know, well, now a bit anymore. of a fluke. You know, Sherry would know better, and obviously others would know better if during that time they felt it. Yeah. Um, 95 but, was my second season. So I came, I came in during the team. I joined the fandom around 94, so that was my second season. Yeah. <laughs> so. And you remember it being that way? like having It a- felt like it at the time because it just everyone's like, well, it was a short season. And then they won the Cup in 2000, and everyone kind of just forgot about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's because the fight to get into the playoffs was so intense down the stretch and so many teams were, you know, teams had to play really well and win themselves into the playoffs. There was no backing in, you know, there was no big separation between the top teams and the bottom teams that, and and the playoffs have been so good and evenly matched. I think people have kind of forgotten that it was a shortened season. And uh, I don't know. I I don't think there'll be any, there'll be any remembrances of that. I just, I think it's a great race already. All right. Awesome. Well, let's get back to the devils. Um, the um, this hasn't been a rough year, obviously. What do you think was the downfall this season? Was it the losing streaks? Was it Kobe's injury? Combination of both, or something else? Well, here the thing I think is, you know, when we we were joking, make you know, making light of like multiplying like six games is like a fourth of the season. Like the fractions of the season were such that you know Steve Cangelosi had this brilliant line. We came on the air for the last home, you know, our last broadcast was the last home game of the year, and I threw it upstairs, and Steve said, "Welcome to game 41." Um, <laughs> This would be half the season. This this would be the halfway mark. It's true. And instead, it was you know game forty one. Um, so I guess it wasn't our last broadcast, but I forget the circumstances. Maybe it was. I, I forget what the well, circumstances were, but I just remember saying game forty one. It must have been two weeks left or something. Yeah. And it just sort of hits you like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this would really only you know have been half the the body of work. So when Marty Berdour misses 14 games, that's like he missed 28. You know, you have to almost double it. And when Kobe missed however many, he missed 12, that's almost like 24. So the fractions, if you if you double them, like everything that happened to them was almost like twice as worse, you know, twice as bad. They went 13 games where Hedberg had to start. He struggled. They had struggled scoring goals. You can't overcome tw- a 26-game stretch in a regular season, which is how we normally think of it, wh- where you're scoring one or two goals, and Hedberg was really struggling. And that's really what it was. It was that 13-game stretch where he started every game, um, I don't know if they ever really seriously considered starting Kincaid. There was the time where the two young goalies member came in, and as Hedberg got pulled, they both played. But it was but it was because uh, Hedberg had given up three or four, and they pulled the goalie. So neither of them ever started. Hedberg started all in a row, and um, it was you just can't overcome it. So. To me, that was the biggest thing. When you double up those stretches they had, which is how we considered in a normal season, they couldn't overcome it in the end. All right. Well, um, they ended up with the um, number nine pick in the draft, which is always a good thing, though. What do you think their biggest need for this summer is going to be? It could be the draft or in free agency. What do you think? Well, you know, I don't see them um, 
jumping into the free agent pool July. Th- you know, it's funny. Everyone always says July first. I think it's actually July third this year or something funny. I looked it up. I don't even know when it is. Yeah, I think it's July third. It's free agency got moved. Uh, the actual date is now going to be July third because the draft is until June thirtieth because the cup may not end until the twenty eighth. Yeah, and there's no Vegas this year. So. Um, <laughs> Which I'm trying to figure out how they're going to announce this at the Stanley Cup final. Like, are they going to, like, fly in the winter? Because what a shame. Like, the one year, you know, you win the Vesna or the Heart, you don't get your big, you know, hold know, up the trophy that, moment. That's kind of a shame. Such a, yeah, it's such a bummer. Um, but um, the um, – so I don't know. No, there's a big free agent that they're going to try to lure in July 3rd. I think they may use a buyout if they want to get, get – um, bring in some new players simply for the fact that I don't know if it's so much about the money, it's more of the roster spot. Like if they want John Merrill to play, if they want Stefan Matteau to have a spot, if they want to give this kid Reed Boucher, who broke Steven Samkos' record with the Sarnia Sting, he scored 62 goals or however many goals he scored. Um, they, and they need to score goals. This kid Boucher looked like he belonged in Albany. He was scoring right away. If they want to create roster spots for those guys, if Adam Larson needs a spot to play every night, they may use a buyout just to, just to you know what I'm saying, to give up that roster spot so that, that they can pay someone else's salary. So that's what I see them doing. I see them creating room for young players because they have – uh, they are stocked with really top prospects that are ready to play in the NHL, I think. All right. I just found out, actually, free agency starts July 5th. You looked it up Fifth, Yeah, it's late this year. Yeah, you looked it up while you were talking. Um, the, well, we're also looking at the future. The Devils have a bunch of free agents. They have to take care of themselves. Like, I think Eliash and I think Clarkson. Eliash and Clarkson are the two big ones. I'm worried... Um, for Devil fans who love David Clarkson, that Toronto is going to be a huge pull for him to be able to play at home. Um, if Toronto does not uh, take his heart, he will definitely come back to the Devils. I don't see him going anywhere else. Um, he would come back to New Jersey. I know he loves it there. I know they're going to do what they can to keep him. Um, it is hard for, the, for players to say no to home, which obviously you saw with Zach, if they really want to play there. Uh, I think Eliash will stay. They'll they'll pay him what they should, and I, I don't think he wants to leave. I think he'll stay. Now, do you think that um, that we're going to see a post-Marty era after the end of next season? I think Marty is going to come back one more year. I think if he plays next year at the level he played this year, he will definitely come back. And do you think that his son will enter the draft? His son is going to be there on draft night. They don't know if he's going to get drafted or not, but I think he'll – enjoy the night and I think somebody will draft him whether it's in the sixth or seventh round uh, the next day but I definitely think someone will draft him what I really want to see is I want to see Marty Brodeur make the devil's pick it's they're hosting it they're in Newark they have the ninth overall pick Marty's going to be there he told us he would be there uh, he's going to sit with his son in a suite just for the experience I just hope that the devils have Marty make the pick don't you want to see him make the pick that would be amazing yeah, because the crowd will just go berserk when he goes up there and give him the loudest, longest, warmest ovation that that uh, just as a you know that they should. And I think it'd be a nice moment in the year that his son is draft eligible. I think he should make the pick. I hope they have him announce the pick. All right. Well, um, well, Deb, I I got to say I appreciate you coming on our show. This was a lot of fun, and um, we're gonna let you go because I just looked at the clock and it's already. Been a My half time is up. We'll promise awesome. that we'll do this again next year when the Devils are still playing. Yes, all right? Definitely, definitely. That would be all awesome. Right, good luck thank you. you guys. Say, thank you very much. And all right, thank you, Dad. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. What's going on? We have a full Skype line this morning. Let's um, start off with our special guests of the week. 
let's bring on from MSG and the New Jersey Devils, Deb Lacey. Deb, how you doing? Hi, guys. Good morning. How are you? Yes, good morning. And um, also on the line, we have one of our regulars and a man who I did love playing his theme song. Here we go. Mike back on the show. Mike, how you doing? I'm good. How about you guys? <laughs> Not bad. Good? I, it makes you laugh every time, doesn't it? Doing it for years, it makes you laugh. I feel like sometimes I only do the show to hear the song. <laughs> I remember that. It's remember true. That. It's true. It's the only reason why you're on. That's <laughs> <laughs> better. That's more of a reason than other people. Anyway, oh. all right. Before we get into the National Hockey League, let me. Just, let me um. Oh, it looks like we have a drop-off. Let me... Actually, perfect. Um, while I get this out of the way, I'm going to get that back on the line. Sound good, Sal? Yep. Sal? Yep. Okay, sound good? Okay, cool. All right. The um, Admiral... Western Conference quarterfinals start this Friday night at the DMO Bradley Center. They're facing Toronto Marlins. I'm excited. I'll be at the game on Saturday night, Friday and Saturday night, game one and two. Um, the wonderful 2-3, of course, the best of five series, which I don't understand how Toronto gets the home ice advantage yet host game three, four, and five. But whatever. Game one and two, I'll be there on Saturday. I just want to get that out of the way because uh, we cover the Admirals, and we'll talk more about that next week. That being said, let's um, get to the NHL and mainly what we talk about here. And Deb, last week we were covering a lot. We tried to cover a bunch of stuff right before we got into the playoffs. We had kind of a quick show because of spring break. So I wanted to cover a couple of these in more detail. First of all, um, we'll go with the well, maybe minor story that was minor to, uh, minor to everybody else, major to us. How do you feel about um, Tico actually retiring, Deb? Oh, I know. Wow, what a uh, crazy couple of weeks it was to end the season. I'm going to miss Chico so much. As a matter of fact, I miss him already. Um, he, he, you know, he's just uh, a wonderful person in addition to being a total character on and off the ice. And he had a great run. And, you know, double broadcast will not be the same without him. They'll just be different. But, but uh, um, you know, we wish him well in the next sort of phase of his life. Aren't you going to miss him? Oh, I'm definitely going to... It's going to be weird to hear calls and not have him there. For I all know. Years. Um, Sal, I know you watch more games than I do. So... Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we, we make fun of him, but it's, it's going to be weird not to have him there. <laughs> <laughs> I I, have, uh, I miss Chico Eats. I know it's been a few years since he's done it, but now it's never coming back. Oh. <laughs> Um, and well, Danica, and Danica will step it up, they, right? If they get they get some new concessions, we're gonna we're gonna bring them back to do a few more Chico eats. <laughs> we'll have some new installments. <laughs> oh yeah, good, <laughs> awesome. And then what? Danica is stepping up. Is that what I heard? Pardon? I heard Danica stepping up into the spot, or is that what I heard? Well, I, I don't think anything's official yet, or set in stone. You know, he he did some play, you know, some analysis this year in the booth with Kanji, and it went great. So I think he'll be close to making some of those decisions soon. All right, cool. I heard that rumor. 
All right. <laughs> Let's um, get to the, the big, the giant elephant in the room, Mark Tambrador. Um, Deb, what do you know um, about him as far as he is a free agent? And we go from here. How weird is it going to be if he's not wearing double colors next season? Well, we were joking with Chico um, on the last day of the season on that Sunday that it's definite that one uh, New Jersey Devil goaltender, a legend, was retiring, <laughs> and that was Chico. So <laughs> I don't know that Mar- I don't know that Marty is. I think in his heart he wants to play one more year, uh, and I think in his heart he doesn't think it'll be with the Devils. It will be very hard for him to play somewhere else, and so he knows that. But you could just tell um, leading up to it and on the final day, he, I, you know, I don't know if you got a chance to see the interview on the ice at the end of the last win. He did get choked up. He had a lot of his family come in from Montreal to see that game. He, he said himself that it could be his last one there. It just depends if there's a good fit for him if he wants to go somewhere else and play one more year. If there's not a good fit somewhere else, you know, he may retire. And if there is a fit, he'll play. I just, I think there's an outside chance he comes back um, in the mindset of being Corey Schneider's backup and getting in 20 or 30 games. But if there's a good fit for him to play more than that somewhere else, he will, he will go somewhere else. All right. Um, Mike, you're our resident Penguin fan on this show, but we, you were not on last week when we were talking about Marty. Your thoughts on Marty leaving New Jersey? I mean, I, I, I can only say, like, Marty's the face of the franchise and Chico is the voice. That, it's, and if you lose both, both in one season, I mean, that's rough for a franchise. All right. And Sal, you've been venting about this for weeks. So, go ahead. One more time, vent about it. Um... It's just, it's going to be upsetting. I mean, it's going to happen eventually. Something's going to give. But uh, uh, if, if there's one more year, just please don't go. That's all I'm going to say. I know it's rough. I know he's in a very difficult spot right now. But, I mean, to spend your entire career with one team and then just to leave for the final one, it just, it'll break my heart. Yeah. Um, I, it, I'm talk- you're talking to someone here who actually has Marty's rookie card framed in his room. So um, it, it's really rough for me to know that he's not going to be on this team next year. And um, I, I, I'll be honest with you, if, it, if I was out there, I'd be taking it a lot rougher. Mainly because I'm here out of the spotlight of the whole thing. Makes it easier for me <laughs> to watch this whole thing go down. Mm-hmm. As I'm like looking at a puck that has Marty's face on it from his 552 win that I got from a birthday a couple years ago. <laughs> so it's like really strange. But you mentioned it, Corey Snyder. He had a good season, Deb. Um, how do you think he did this year overall? Well, Corey had a fabulous year. I mean, like all goaltenders, you know, he had a couple dips, but, I mean, they were minimal. And his goals, again, was, was uh, you know, beyond the pale. I mean, he had a, a, a 197 uh, goals against, which led the league. And he had so few wins to show for, considering... He just didn't get a lot of goal support, a lot of run support. That seemed to be the thing with him. So he, 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 there were stretches he could not have played any better. And I think the Devils see him for sure as the future of the franchise. It's important that they get him locked up long term. And um, so that was part of the, you know, the balancing act that Pete DeBoer, the coaching staff, Lou Lemerlo had to keep this season was making sure that he uh, felt 
the love and felt like the job will be his because they want him to come back. They want him to sign long-term. They want him to commit to them long-term. So that was a big part of it. Um, it'll be his decision. I just think that in past years, they've let unrestricted free agents like the Zach Parisi, for instance, or, or even uh, Scott Niedermeyer, Brian Rafalski go to the end of the season before resigning, and I think that they, they'll they try to change that with Corey and and try to lock him up before he becomes a free agent. What's that seems to be the fire? trend of how players stay. So I think that they're going to try to do that, and then we'll see where we go from there. Say, Deb, when does his contract expire? At the end of next season. Next so season. if they if they, they play out the year and then he's totally free, you know, then there's a chance that they would lose him and you know with you know for nothing. Yeah, so gotcha. I think that they're going to try to lock him up before that. All right, all right. I I didn't know when his contract expired. All right, um, Sal with Corey Snyder. You watched, like I said, more games than I have. So um, your thoughts on Corey this season? Uh, he did a phenomenal job, like Deb said. I mean, he. Um, it just—it was a shame that he did not get that goal support on the other end because, I mean, there were games where uh, he was a brick wall and he stood on his head and he was doing a phenomenal job but still got the loss. But um, he's um, he's definitely the future, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this plays out next season. All right. Um, Mike, you um, obviously, you've been pretty pretty vocal about Mr. Yamir Yager. <laughs> This whole season, it, what were your thoughts on his year of the devil? Ah, uh, why you got to give me that question? Because I can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you're the host, so you can. Um, you know, honestly, as much as I really have a disdain for the guy, um, he was probably one of the best uh, offensive players the Devils had this season. And it's not good considering he's over 40. But um, <laughs> he, he definitely he does not show his age as much as he really should. Yeah. Um, Deb, Yamir Yager, this season, and do you think he's coming back next year? Well, I would say this. I, I need to know why there's disdain for him. Oh, well, <laughs> Mike's, a, Mike's a Penguin fan, so he kind of hates the guy for leaving the Penguins. So. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, well, I would say it's similar to how, you know, Penguin fans thought he was going to come back to them. You know, I think mm-hmm. Devil fans feel like he loved New Jersey, and he did, and, and all signs point to him coming back. He is... Um, I, I couldn't like the guy more. I, I just think he's fantastic. I, I think he's, um, I don't know, I just, his work ethic, you, you can't do anything but admire. I thought he played fabulous. He works harder than any player I've ever covered. He is super talented but doesn't take it for granted, but I think he will take the best deal. It, he, he, like, he, he loved um, being in Boston, but he took a better deal from, from Dallas. He loved being in New Jersey, but he'll take the best deal. And I, he was my post-game guest in the studio when the season ended. And I just happened to ask him, because he obviously could get more than a one-year deal from whoever was going to sign him. And I asked him if for her, you know, to get two years off of the way he played it. He said no. Oh, that's interesting. The type that wants that extra incentive, and he wants a one-year deal and would not sign anything but a one-year deal. I was amazed. That's interesting. So I said, so you're betting on yourself. I like that. And he said, I don't consider it a bet. It's just the way that my personality is. I want to play for the next year, and I'm only going to sign a one-year contract. So as much as he loves New Jersey and as good of a fit as he was and as much ice time as he got, I think the reality is he may not get that much ice time somewhere else, but he's willing to bet on himself and whatever is the best deal and the best situation he'll go to. Whether that's New Jersey or not, it's up to him. But 
he'll take the best deal and he'll go and play probably as well as he did this year. Wow, that's actually interesting. I did. Wow, wow, okay. He just wants to have one year deal. That's pretty cool. Um, Sal, your thoughts on Yager? Uh, he was a blessing in disguise. I mean, uh, when, when he signed, I mean, I remember us talking about it. We really weren't too sure how this was going to go, but um, I'm so glad that it happened. And he did definitely make the, uh, the year memorable and getting to watch him play for our team on a couple of occasions at games I went to was definitely a treat. All right. Um, actually, you just, I just brought up something. I remember something you said you went to games this year. Um, Deb, Sal actually was at the, at the um, outdoor game at Yankee Stadium, which was pretty cool. So um, that was pretty awesome for him. Deb, what was your experience, actually, for the outdoor games? I loved the outdoor games. I thought Yankee Stadium was a perfect venue. Um, couldn't have been any better. The only thing that stunk was, was Marty's worst performance of the year, but he was freezing. He said he couldn't feel his hands. He couldn't feel his feet. He just couldn't play in his head. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people saw it, and, and he had to do a lot of work playing in gold the rest of the season to prove to, if not himself and the devil, the rest of the league, that he could still play because he still does play at such a high level. And he does, even if his numbers aren't the same, he's a winner. And he found so many ways to win. I mean, as much as you can say Corey didn't get run support, Marty did get more goal support. And it was tough to figure why. Pete DeVore never wanted to point to the fact that Marty plays the puck so well and that he influences the game that way. And maybe that's why the Devils scored more goals when he was in. He wins. And he won so many of the games, whether he gave up two or three or four goals or not. But other than, than Marty's experience, I thought the outdoor games were off the charts. I just love them. I mean, the players can't get enough of them. I just think they're great. It's just one of those thoughts we were talking about it, actually, because in March, we almost forgot there was two more outdoor games. We completely forgot about them. And um, do you think there was just too many this year? I don't. I never think there are too many. Uh, and I, I don't know why you would, why people sort of bring that up, and they always bring that up to Gary Bettman or John Collins. I, I don't know why, you know, there's no fans in every market want to go to them so who's to judge like if you're sitting at home on and watching them on tv they're not as special if there's more than one but not for the people that go not for the fans that are there i mean if you're up in minnesota obviously they're dying to get an outdoor game and i think they're getting the next one and they'll definitely have one next year whether it's the new year's day game or another one and they want to go to one so you know if you don't want to watch it on tv you don't have to but that's not to say there's too many i mean the people in those towns want to go all right, Sal, we discussed this back in January, but yeah, outdoor game experience. Go ahead. Oh, it was it was surreal. Um, just walking into Yankee Stadium for the first time and just seeing the ice there was just, it was, oh my God, I can't even just begin to describe. I just, I felt so happy. It was like I was in my own little personal heaven. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I, I talked for weeks how I wanted it to snow. It wasn't going to be the same unless it snowed. And then it, there was no forecast for snow that day. And then all of a sudden it snowed in the second period. And I was so excited. Yeah. For those of you that subscribe to our feed, you can go back in January. And Sal actually sent in audio before his phone froze. So, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. So, um, all right, let's move on. We're talking about the Devils team this season. And um, Pete DeBoer will be coming back next year, which, Sal, I know you're very surprised by this. I am a little bit, I'm not going to lie. Okay. Um, Deb, with Pete DeBoer coming back this year, next year, do you, how much blame do you put on the coaching staff and how much blame do you put on the team for how bad this season turned out? Well, 
I don't think I could put any blame on the coaching staff for missing the playoffs. When you consider that if they would have gotten one point in half of their shootouts, it's they would true. have been well in the playoffs. And there's just nothing that the coaches could have done about that. I mean, they tried switching it up. They tried having different guys score. Uh, different guys take shots. It was a crazy thing. It was an anomaly. Hopefully a once-in-a-generation occurrence. Hopefully. Because, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but, you know, having said that, the coaching staff, I think, does a marvelous job, and I, I wouldn't put any blame on them. And I, I think that you'll see the Devils get off to a much better start next year because those points at the beginning end up, you know, coming back to haunt you at the end if you don't get them. So I see them getting off to a better start next year, and the shootout couldn't possibly be is. is as harmful as it was this season. So I think the continuity of having that coaching staff come back is a good thing. It was funny. I, I go to Admiral's games regularly here at, at Salnos, and um, I was sitting at a game, and they're talking about the Predators, talking about how bad they are in the shootouts. And they're like, well, what if they have one win? I like the Devils. I'm like, well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Overall this season, we've been discussing it, but overall this season – uh, it's disappointing. It was all, the over fourteen on shootouts. It was a very disappointing season. I don't know. Um, overall, what do you overall in this season, Deb? What do you think? How would the Devils look? Well, I would say, you know, Mike Michael Ryder went, I think, thirty something games, which is almost half a season, scoring two goals, and he still was third on the team in scoring. That's how many. That's how many goals he scored the first half of the season. I don't. I think that he was as disappointed as anyone and said a couple of times in all the one goal games that we played, he's like, if I just score one or two more, that makes a difference as well. So he can be a difference maker. I think, you know, and Chico, uh, who, you know, who certainly has lots of inside information in a good way, I thought, and said on the broadcast on the final day, he thinks they will use the buyout. So he, I think he has in mind someone they may buy out. I don't know who it is. I really don't. And if they do that and they have some cap room, they'll try to entice a scorer to come. I think Brian Giant is a possibility as a free agent to come join his brother. Wow. But I, I, Ooh, I think they'll be fine, especially if they go with Corey from the beginning of the year and, and he plays as well as he did last season. I think they're going to be fine. I think they'll be right in the mix to make the playoffs. And once you get in, and it's so different now than it used to be, you can be any seed and get in. I think the playoff matchups this year with two and three playing each other and the top two seeds in each conference playing the wild cards, they have been fabulous matchups so far. And I think it's really an exciting tournament now. A little bit more like March Madness. And uh, and I think they'll, you know, they'll get in next year and be right in there. All right. Um, and so you're not going to believe this, but my train is almost to New York and I think I have to jump off. It went so fast. Alright, that's no problem. Then. So I... So, uh, is there anything else I can tell you before I jump off the no. train? No, I think we're good, actually. And I appreciate coming on. I appreciate taking time out for us. And it was actually a lot of fun. I love having you on, so it's always fun for us. Well, I love coming on, and I can talk about the Devils all summer long, any day of the week. So, you, you uh, stay in touch, and you guys enjoy your summer. And we'll certainly do. enjoy the rest of these playoffs. I mean, they're only a week old. They've been awesome. All right, definitely. We'll definitely, definitely hear back sometime during the summer. All right, thanks, All right, guys. Deb. See you later. Thanks, Dad. Take care. All right. Oh, that was fun. That was actually a lot of fun. It actually got through all our double topics that I had written out. Yeah, I was just going to say, it was actually a good time for her to jump off. <laughs> yeah, perfect.
some other beginnings Thank you so very much. Goodbye, and good night. Bye.